This is Fiber Variety Hour. Our presenting sponsor for this very special bonus episode is YarnCon. YarnCon is the premier market for independent producers of yarn and fiber for knitting, crochet, spinning, and weaving. YarnCon has gone virtual this year, featuring live stream vendor chat sessions, pre-registered live workshops via Zoom, and even a virtual stitch night over Zoom on Saturday, April 10th, complete with prizes. You can find out more at YarnCon.com. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Fiber Variety Hour. Kat and I had the opportunity to sit down with three of the four masterminds behind the brand new international virtual event, Woolwide Adventures. Woolwide Adventures is in its inaugural year and is a two-month event that began at the start of March and runs through April 30th. Here's a little blurb from their website that gives you a little background before we get into the interview. Weekly adventures are free and doable with nothing more than an internet connection and a little curiosity. Of course we know you love to learn as much as we do and that's where a mini trek allows you to explore further, try out some new things, and maybe even experience something new. We get into a little bit of what some of these treks are as we were interviewing the ladies and you can also find out more information about the treks and how you can participate on their website. So make sure you check it out at WoolWideAdventures.com and follow them on Instagram at WoolWideAdventures so you don't miss out on participating and your chance to win some of those great prizes. This was our first multiple person interview in addition to needing to have a quick turnaround time to be sure we share this great event with our listeners as soon as possible. There's some doggos barking in the background and we had a few hiccups otherwise and Aaron actually had to pop in and out at one point. So uh, there are a couple things in here that we kind of touch on more than once just because there were different perspectives from more than one person. And we wanted to make sure that we got a lot of that information out to you guys. We really enjoyed this chat with um, Aaron from Morehouse Farms, Amy from The Devious Knitter, and Anne from I Thought I Knew How podcast. Uh, the fourth member of the team, Irene Wagner, was unable to make it, but we talk a lot about her book and her mission. Um, her book is Keepers of the Sheep, Knitting in Morocco's High Atlas and Beyond. And you'll be able to find out all of this and their websites, how to find all of them in our show notes. This is Fiber Variety Hour, and we are here with the three of the four creators of Woolwide Adventures, which is an entirely virtual experience that we're going to tell you some more about. So we have Anne, Amy, and Erin here with us. So hi. Hello. Hi, Kat. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we were so excited to have you come and just chat and hang out um, and tell us more about the Woolwide Adventures and how that came to be. So I think we're going to do a little roundtable in Erin of Morehouse Farm. We're going to let everybody know that since they can't see us. Um, I hear that you were the catalyst behind this teaming up. Well, I am known for ideas and enthusiasm once I start getting something going. And I love bringing people together over those shared ideas. So when I met Anne, who hosts a podcast about wool and all things amazing fiber, and Amy, who's a marketing genius and a knitting designer and teacher, and then Irene, who turns out to be a friend of a friend from college, who not only spends a year learning the knitting techniques in the High Atlas Mountains in Morocco, I thought, there's got to be a way that we can bring all of these amazing talents together. And here we are. 
So that's awesome. So what was the, the base idea for Woolwide Adventures? What sparked it? Was it you know, the combination of learning and travel because we all have that in common. And in the Morehouse Marino flock, our online learning community, we're always trying to find new techniques and new things that we can use to build our knitting toolbox and have some pretty amazing projects on the other side of all of that. And everybody's talents coming together for that have really fostered this learning. And then we thought, how do we spread this around the world? And Amy came up with a brilliant idea of naming it Wide Adventures, and off we go. That is pretty sweet. I'm also curious if you had, is it helping with some wanderlust since we're not really going anywhere right now? <laughs> Absolutely it is. And let me uh, punt that over to Anne because she hosts an amazing festival that she was, I think, the first one to bring online as soon as all the shutdowns happened, the uh, Online International Fiber Festival, and that's something that near and dear to my heart because wherever I am in Morocco, in whatever country I'm visiting, love to find sheep and wool projects wherever. So, Anne, tell us a little bit more about the festival because I can't wait to see the other countries that we're going to be visiting virtually this year. Yeah, so the Woolwide Adventures is a uh, two-month experience that we're doing on Instagram, and it actually ends the day before the Online International Fiber Festival starts on May 1st. So that was something that came together as the COVID lockdowns kicked in last year. Um, I love to travel. And when I travel, I want to see, as Erin said, like on with the knitting community, what do knitters here do that I don't know about? Um, and I always like to see sheep. So, <laughs> So uh, as things were shutting down and it was really sort of at the beginning of festival season that that happened. And I was just thinking about all these vendors who were going to lose out on that income stream and all the people like me who were not gonna be able to do our fiber trips. And I had a friend challenge me as I was you know, down in the dumps about being stuck inside uh, to find a way to make a thousand people happy. And so that's what I came up with was a festival that recreates the travel experience for fiber crafters um, in a more complete way than something like, you know, these other awesome festivals that are out there like Vogue Knitting Live and whatever, where you can have instruction from teachers and have a marketplace and things like that. Um, but the Online International Fiber Festival, we also incorporate um, some learning experiences in the afternoon about the regions that we visit while we're, you know, traveling from home. Um, there's an evening performance and there's a meal that you can prepare for yourself from the region. So it's an eight-day festival and it's a whole day for you to spend uh, learning about the area and the fiber arts of that area and pretend that you're there for a day. I was really, really excited to read more about the International uh, Online Fiber Festival. And I um, was, you know, in looking at everything that all of you have been up to, I thought it was so great that you were using each other's skill sets and what you were doing and they were all such different things. And do you guys want to talk about working together a little bit more and how that all kind of came together? Because all the different outlets you guys have really helped amplify, I think, something that you were all very passionate about already. 
Yeah, Emily, um, I think you're absolutely right. We have four sort of different skill sets or specialties, and we're kind of in four different places in the fiber world. And so that really lent itself to working together and playing off each other's strengths. And that's something that not only what gave birth to the Woolwide Adventures, but a lot of the other things that are going on this spring that each of us are doing. Erin um, and I met a couple of years ago at a, at, a, at a knitting retreat. We had a lot of fun there together. And you know, we got to talking and we reconnected over Fiber World last summer and realized, you know, I'm a teacher and was at that time just getting started as a designer. And Erin had a lot of knitters that followed and liked to buy yarn from Morehouse Merino and were members of this flock where they do a lot of online learning experiences. So Erin invited me to get involved in that. And I designed a pattern for their knit along that they did last fall. And then I've taught a couple classes specifically to the flock in the spring that were again, sort of um, designed around patterns that I did with the Morehouse yarn. So there was just a lot of things that fit together. And then, you know, when Woolwide Adventures started out, we looked at things like Irene's passion for teaching and sharing knowledge that is, you know, in the case of the knitters of the Atlas Mountains, not only mostly unknown by the Western world, but potentially in danger of being lost as a tradition. And so her, she had that passion for education. I have that passion for education in two really sort of different ways. Um, and she has patterns that she's put in her amazing book that were taken from those traditions. And so she's also doing some classes with the flock around that. And then you look at, you know, Anne also has this passion for education. Erin has this passion for education. And we kind of bring it to the fiber world in different ways. And so the Woolwide Adventures kind of takes that and we wanted to make it really accessible and open to everyone that wanted to participate in ways large or small. And so we have these weekly adventures, which are kind of prompting you to get a little bit out of your comfort zone and explore something, but it's suitable for, you know, brand new baby knitters, or I, you know, there's someone really active on this who I know is a crocheter and not a knitter at all, but she's out there learning about sheep or sharing about mountain ranges or, you know, different traditions of the world. These have been some of our weekly prompts and, they're all different. We tried to really put some thought into picking things that were really varied. And also every week we have a series of mini tracks. So if you want to do more, we're pointing you to resources like some of Anne's past podcasts that are really informative, some of my YouTube video teaching tutorials, Irene's book, things going on at the Morehouse Farm. And so you can get involved as deeply as you want. And there's a lot of material there. There's just a richness of resources. And anyone who's joining late, we absolutely invite you to come on board. You're, there's there's prizes at the end and you can still be eligible for them. You can, if you wanna start at the beginning and play catch up and do every week's adventure, that's totally allowed. And if you just wanna jump on and do one or two things that interest you, that's great too. I think the big thing people are looking for right now in COVID times is community. And I think that's the other thing that we can help to create, even if it's just a community of like-minded people t tagging some things and sharing them on Instagram. 
Yeah, and in saying all that and how like the seeking community, I think what is so great about what you all are doing with this is it does have that international aspect to it so that but it also has connections between all of those things. And I, I really appreciate how you have curated each trek, you know, like looking at, at the themes each time and how it really helps to point out our similarities too. Like what, what traditions do we have in one country versus another? How are we raising sheep in one place versus another and everything? And, um, you know, I, th I think that I, uh, the fact that you're directing people to all of your respective places and j just in the name of education is so, so, so great. And, um, and I don't think you really got an opportunity to talk about your podcast. And I, I would love to hear how that um, has connected everything that you've been up to. Yeah. So my podcast is called, I thought I knew how, um, and it's an audio podcast. And it started out as a way for me to hold myself accountable for doing the Master Hand Knitter program, which has been pretty much abandoned at this point. <laughs> so the whole accountability didn't work so well. Like I'm still technically working on it, but it's been like over a year since I've done a swatch. Um, and, and it's largely been replaced um, by um, so, you know, general knitting podcast, but also I've been really lucky to be able to travel and meet with knitters where I go and have interviews with them and learn from them and bring those interviews to my listeners. And so that's, that's how it's been tying in with the Woolwide Adventures, because a lot of the mini treks, um, for instance, la this last week was tradition, was uh, the theme of the week. And so we were encouraging people to learn about different crafting traditions from around the world. And one of the many treks was to listen to my interview with TJ Frog from the Hebrides, who is actually originally from Dorset, where there's a heritage craft called Dorset Buttons. And she walked us through what those were and, and the preservation of, of that tradition and there were there's also interviews with um, Hazel Tyndall and other knitters from uh, the Shetland area and so that's that's how I play into this I guess you could say is is uh, I just I really um, you know as I've been traveling and been able to take some lessons abroad I, I realized that there's um, there are a lot of things that, that we just don't realize we don't know about some of these knitting traditions because they don't fit in a book or they don't fit in a video. And when you're there on the ground and can ask the questions directly, then you get sometimes get different answers just because you're there face to face with people. And so just looking for, for those moments and being able to bring those to my listeners, that's what I've really been enjoying with the podcast. So I know it sounds like the, um master knitters um, class or what is master knitters is it a class or is it overall how would you well, that's that's part of the problem with why it's been abandoned <laughs> well what I was gonna say is it, it helped really you start good. a podcast yeah but I'm curious I know that Amy also has a podcast and I'm curious what your catalyst was for your podcast thanks Kat um you know my podcast came really from sort of a different direction um, I mentioned that notion of seeking community, and that's what I've been finding virtually over the past year with everything in lockdown. 
Um, I've been finding that not only does everybody else seem to want to create community, I do too. I, I want that. And so, you know, I've gotten involved in some different knitting groups that are hundreds of miles from my home via Zoom. And I've been knit, I've been teaching via Zoom um, almost weekly now on one platform or another. Uh, a, a lot of it is happening through my own website, deviousknitter.com, but also festivals and, and virtual events and things. Yeah. Um, and I love that, you know, we get to have this time together to knit together, whether it's informally in a group or formally as a class. And I just found that I wanted a little bit um, more time with people knitting, but also more time to get to know people's stories because I've gotten to meet so many really interesting people in the fiber world. And so that kind of combined into a video podcast that I've been doing monthly just for the last couple months where I invite someone in that I know that's part of the fiber world and I do an interview with them, but I do it over Zoom and we have a live Zoom audience. So I, af after I interview them, the audience gets to have questions and interact. And then usually I'll, I'll share a, a knitting tip or two. And then we just kind of get casual and knit and everybody talks about what they're knitting and we have fun. And so it's, it's this hybrid video podcast and sort of knitting hangout party. And it goes live on YouTube. Uh, the first Friday of every month, I do it at um, seven Eastern four Pacific. And it's also available. People can join by pre-registering. They can do that on my website, um, deviousknitter.com. And then they can join us on Zoom and be part of this sort of live studio audience. You know, and what's so amazing, I think, about all of this, actually, is that technology is what has enabled us to do all of this. And even though we are really tactile people, um, I think that, that that innovation that all of us have kind of picked up, it's so funny that we're talking about tradition and these old world things in some ways, but then the way that we have access to that is through technology. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to hear you talk about how you've been utilizing that. You, you talk about Zoom classes and these, these knitting groups and things. And, um, you know, Erin, I'm interested to hear some of the things that maybe you guys have been doing with your farm even that have been virtual like that, you know, yeah, so one of the things when uh, all the COVID shutdowns happened last year is we took our um, our open farm day, which we do twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall. And we said, let's just show everybody the things behind the scenes on the farm that we couldn't necessarily get to. So my mom did a demonstration on dyeing. We had Albrecht telling us about how the sheep graze under the power lines to keep the area clear so that we don't have to worry about power outages. Just, you know, environmental services from a sheep flock. Who'd have thought? And we got to do that. That Anne was actually part of that first one. And what I hadn't thought about was how many people wanted to experience behind the scenes at Morehouse Farm that couldn't make that trip. And that was an eye opener for me. So we had people in Alaska that got up early to join us that day. We had people in Japan and New Zealand who stayed up late so that they could be part of it. And the comments we got about, thank you for bringing us all together and showing us where some of our favorite yarn comes from were just so amazing and I'm glad that we were able to put all that together so we did another one in the fall we will do another one in the spring and hopefully we'll all be back together 
in person for Rhinebeck this year. And I say Rhinebeck because that's a, a, a landmark in the fiber world. Our farm is 15 minutes from the fairgrounds. And if it is locally okay, everybody is invited to our open farm day on October 15th. That's the Friday before the festival starts. So fingers crossed that we can do that, but we will also be doing virtual things. So if you can't make the trip, you will be able to participate as well. So look, really looking forward to that. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. I know that being able to see that behind the scenes piece and get to kind of experience without, you know, having to start a farm, because I think that my family would love me less <laughs> if I actually did bring home the sheep and the goats and the alpacas that I threatened to. Um, so it's really getting to see and getting to see the process, the whole, knowing what the whole process is. So not just where they come from, um, but also what, not just this wool that they're living and they're acting and they're doing different services. And I don't, I keep joking about bringing them home to get rid of our poison ivy problem, <laughs> but um, yeah. But hearing about the power lines and hearing about just shearing and processing and dying and getting mucky and all the pieces, it kind of brings it really like, brings it home. And for those, like you said, who can't necessarily travel it makes it accessible, whether that is a disability or other ability, or if it's a financial aspect, it really kind of gives that access to more people and more education right back to that, where it just gives us more information and we can learn how to do so many other new things and kind of live vicariously through you <laughs> as our um, pretend farmer selves. So... Anyway. Well, you'll have to come visit for a day then so you can be part of that and get your hands in some lanolin because there is no better hand lotion. And that's the thing that we tried to really express in our Morehouse Merino flock, our online learning community, is not just about the project that we're working on. That's a huge, huge part of it. And we're going to be doing a couple of Irene projects coming up uh, from her book, Keepers of the Sheep, but also learning about when are sheep born? So if you're just joining us right now is spring. That is the natural time of year that most lambs are born. We have six on the ground so far. One came two days ago and then a whole lot of cousins right after the fact. So we had another set of triplets and a set of twins and uh, plenty more on the way. So keep following along if you want to meet the growing flock. Oh my gosh. And Anne, I think you had some more to add to that. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, Aaron and I are only I don't know, 10 minute drive from one another, if that, and the, the experience of being at the farm and learning more about the farm has just convinced me that someday I would like to live sheep adjacent and not actually have the sheep myself. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm just blown away by how much work our, our wool producers put into making the lovely stuff that we get to work with. And I would love to have that pastoral scene in my backyard, but I'm grateful that they're the ones who are actually out there doing it for us. So, um, sorry, I just, that pastoral adjacent or um cheap adjacent I love that so much and I I think it's really um really fun that you guys uh have kind of probably even learned more about each other by interviewing each other than maybe just by the the work relationship that you've had um with putting all this together and um 
I, I did peek back through your your episodes, Anne, and you've interviewed at least one other person in the group, right? Um, Amy and Aaron have both been on the podcast. And then the last day of the Online International Fiber Festival, Irene will be doing a live event for the participants there where we're going to talk about knitting a hat without a pattern using oh, the great. methods that the shepherds of the Atlas Mountains use to, and this is all laid out in her book, which is called Keepers of the Sheep Knitting in Morocco's High Atlas and Beyond. It is a fantastic book. And I'm not I'm not just saying this because she's <laughs> part of the team. Erin um, actually is the one who gave me a copy of the book and I didn't realize she was giving me a copy at the time. I thought she was just showing it to me. Oh. And so I was flipping through the pages thinking, this is incredible. I need to, I need to get a copy of this book. And then Erin was like, you don't need to get a copy of this book. This is for you. And there was cheering and a lot of rejoicing. Um, but it's, it's absolutely fabulous. And it's an example of um, when I, what I talk about when I talk about the importance of travel um, and, and taking the time to, um, to learn from local knitters while you're traveling, mm -hmm. because there are so many little things in this book that I feel like we don't, we don't have any more um, as European based knitters, as knitters who are learning through the European knitting models, um, things, things um, like where to get, how to make and where to get your knitting needles from and how to use um, bodily proportions to knit things for yourself. So how to size your socks, how to make a hat using your hands, like using the proportions of your hands. Mm -hmm. And like all of this, like I said, is in her book and it is just it's absolutely invaluable. And I think if Irene, Irene is very humble about the effort that she put into this book because she, she having been on the ground understands that this is the tip of the iceberg as far as um, drawing information from this area and presenting it to the world. She likes to say that, you know, this is just the start. She wrote this book to get someone interested in going and doing a more in-depth study of the area. Um, and, and really, I think it needs to be done because it, it's incredible, all these little things that came out of that experience that she had being there. That was such a beautiful description of what she did and, and how you, your relationship to it as well. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me even talking about like the proportions of the hand and everything. It reminds me of learning how to cook or to bake from, you know, or an older relative um, and, you know, like you don't get a recipe, you get, well, it's like this much in the cup of your hand, or, <laughs> you know, um, just like these really bizarre measurements of things, but they're the things that have worked for, you know, centuries really for people. I, Amy, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's almost a shame that knitters today uh, so often learn to knit by being handed some line by line instructions. And it's possible to be a knitter and knit for decades without ever understanding what you're actually doing or how it relates to size or structure of the knitting. You know, this is something that's really I'm passionate about. As a teacher, I really want people to understand the reasons behind, well, why do we make a left-leaning decrease here? And what are the different options for a left-leaning decrease? And 
you know, what are the drawbacks and advantages of each so that I can make a choice about what left-leaning decrease I want. And sure, when I get a great pattern that's written by a great designer who's really done their homework, I don't need to think about that. But there's lots of things out there, patterns or just knitting without a pattern, a lot of places where, you know, it helps us when we have the knowledge base to make smart decisions about our knitting. Because I think it's really, you know, knitting something you're putting a lot of time and effort into. And it's great when you can be pleased with the end results. And I think even, even better when you can feel like you're knowledgeable enough to make smart choices about what you're choosing to knit or the way you're choosing to knit it. So I absolutely love the spirit behind Irene's book. It really speaks to the way I like to knit and the way I like to incorporate um, understanding your projects when I teach. I, I write patterns the way people consume patterns. So I write patterns with the line by line instructions that say, okay, now decrease this way and then do this for too many ro- this many rows. Um, but I also like to include instructions in my patterns that say, you know, if you're doing this toe up sock, here's how you know when you've increased far enough. Here's when you, how you know when to start to work the heel. Here's the measurement that you use. Here's the size I give you. Here's how many rows. But if you want to make it fit you exactly, if you want to work this to your foot, here's how you know how to do this. And I think these are the sorts of things that become lost as people learn maybe from books or YouTube videos, and they don't learn from their mothers and grandmothers. And some of those regional traditions are lost and some of the inherent knowledge of just how to start making a Fair Isle sweater that fits your husband are, are, are gone. And they're the sorts of things that for the knitters that want them can still be learned. And it's really just sounds like that piece of knowing not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it. And that's something that you're teaching. And that's something that I sounds like Irene is almost just giving like the, the taste of, of the here's the why come and have the full tasting and you're like here's the why come I will show you and it's giving that option for people to that don't have that readily available in absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely Kat and I think this is something that all four of us really believe in um I've been lucky enough to um be involved in some of Erin's projects and knit-alongs over at the Morehouse Flock and she really does try to make sure that all of the all of the elements of the teaching are trying to bring that there as well. I think it's something that that motivates all four of us. Well, I'm curious. Think, also, you mentioned the flock, and you had a recent um, sock pattern release, and you talked about the sock pattern, how you give the line by line, but also the here's the way to here's why and the how. Is that something that you did with that? And remind me of what that pattern is called. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I released my Wanderly sock pattern and it's made out of Morehouse Farm yarns. And it's actually done in their sport weight gator yarn, which is an unusual yarn choice for a sock, but there were really specific reasons why I chose that. Um, It's got a super tight twist and a lot of bounce and spring, which make it really fun for sock use. And they knit up a little quicker and they're great for hiking socks or winter socks inside your boots. And Erin asked me to do some socks that we could then 
use as a jumping off point for teaching within the flock and for doing a knit along in the flock. And so I did, and I taught a couple of classes on those socks specifically, but also on all the skills around for any sock pattern at any weight and any gauge, how to work toe up socks to fit your foot and how to know whether they're going to fit, what are some tips for for measuring or trying on. Um, and we looked at how, how you can modify or adjust any sock pattern with those principles in mind, just to make them fit better and to make them easier to knit and more of a pleasure to wear. And I was so excited Anne actually came and she was in the class. I still have my sock toe here. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I am a very uh, resistant sock knitter. And something about that class, Amy is such a great teacher really is what it boiled down to. Um, but it finally clicked for me, sock knitting. So I still have it here. I need to get back to it and get it finished, but I'm so proud of it. And yeah, like we we had such a good time. I love, Erin's um, not here, so I'm gonna brag on her for a little bit. She really, she really took a, a jump in starting the Morehouse Merino flock because she had been, um, it, it, Facebook for so many creators, I think this is something that is, is becoming more and more apparent for us and um, that the whole acceleration of, of online community has made clear is that, you know what, Facebook isn't the ideal format for a lot of us. And so for Erin to take it off, take her community off Facebook and into the Morehouse Merino flock um, was a big jump. And, and she took it and, and a lot of us Morehouse hardcore fans followed her and have been enjoying uh, the time that we have on the flock group because it is um, very distraction free. When you log in, it is about knitting and it is supportive and you get to join in on these knit alongs that last roughly a month. And in that time, you have access to Erin, who is fantastic at offering help and finding out what, what is your actual issue that you're having when you run up against a wall and helping you tease that out and finding solutions. But also to the teacher, um, the teacher, his or herself, um, who comes in and, and does the introduction teaching, but is there to answer questions. And it doesn't feel rushed. It's very, um, and I think part of this, you know, it's the flock's only been going for a few months of this. And maybe I have this impression because Amy is such a great teacher. She's very calm and clear and takes the time if you have the question to really, you know, deal with the question and help you through it. Um, but it just feels like such a wonderful place to be and to do your crafting and to, to be with other people who really appreciate the craft. So kind of the case for a lot of people anymore is um, I, I what you said about Facebook and, and not being the place for everyone is it really resonated with me because I find that a lot of the groups end up having like weird restrictions and suddenly you feel uncomfortable or unsure if you're allowed to do something and um, you know I think it's and part of that comes from not having that fully canned audience there it's kind of people that wander in and out or they just kind of want to buzz in and um you know maybe 
stir something up and then leave kind of thing, you know, like giving poor advice or conflicting mm -hmm. advice to somebody. And I think being able to curate that so much more and really provide something is, is really important. I think a lot of people are really moving away from that and onto, um, and into communities like Patreon communities or specific communities like what Aaron has started. Um, you know, do, do you guys foresee Worldwide Adventures having some sort of a community like that? That's a good question. I, I, I don't know that that would be the proper format for this because it is a, um, it's an experience that lasts for a month or two. Um, and it's, I think we're trying to reach a really wide audience. We're looking to get a lot of people to really try these, these things and do this research and um, have these experiences together. I don't know, but maybe that's something we should think about. <laughs> I just think the connection that can be made is, is there, you know, I mean, for, for me to experience something that is from a, another country and being able to share that and then that's you know maybe somebody from another country doing something that is in one of the, the places in the states you know that you have on your list would be really um exciting and i think even even some of the small challenges you guys have um which kind of leads back to what you guys were talking about with um not losing that tradition of creating the pattern from things, uh, you know, even trying different knitting techniques to get a different attention. You know, I know people who have tried Portuguese knitting that swear by it and don't like knitting any other way anymore. And I think knowing that those things are available, um, I'd really love, uh, you know, that's one example of some of the things in your treks. But if you guys wanted to talk a little bit, um, maybe we'll throw it to Amy about a couple of the treks and maybe you guys can kind of go back and forth and talk a little bit about a couple more that, of those types of events you're having through that. Sure. You know, the adventures and treks have ranged from things like finding out something about a new breed of sheep that you weren't familiar with to trying a new knitting technique that you weren't familiar with. And we've tried to make sure that the main adventures every week are always free and something that's easily accessible. It can The first week it was find some information about a mountain range, maybe mountains that are close to you or mountains that you've always wanted to go visit. And I absolutely loved that when Irene posted a picture of the Atlas Mountains where she spent a year living and researching this book, someone who was following Woolwhite Adventures responded and said, those are the mountains right outside my window right now. And that was so cool. And it, it did feel like such a worldwide connection. And, you know, in addition to that, a lot of the mini treks have to do with um, listening to specific podcasts that Anne has done on knitting traditions in different places, um, or looking at some video tutorials that I've done around specific knitting techniques. Um, some of the treks, I have a lot of classes coming up. Some of them are to do with some of the classes that I'm teaching, and some of them are to do with some of the knit-alongs that Morehouse is doing. And some of the tracks are to cast on one of the projects in Irene's book, which is just full of so many really interesting and inventive patterns. So there's there's a lot out there for a lot of, to kind of cover a lot of different levels of interest and commitment. 
Um, I should say, because we didn't say yet how to actually sort of join the party and get on board with the adventure. Um, we're on Instagram. The handle for the whole event is Woolwide Adventures. It's at Woolwide Adventures on Instagram. And you can follow that. You can follow the four of us on Instagram as well. Um, and you can follow hashtag Woolwide Adventures. And if you just go do a search on the hashtag Woolwide Adventures, you'll see all these hashtag posts that people have been doing and all the really, really cool and different things that they've been getting into in, in response to this adventure. Yeah, and if you're not on Instagram, we, we have quite a few people participating who are not on Instagram. Um, if we have made it a requirement, if because we do have prizes and we don't want to be trying to look everywhere as far as getting prize entries. So if you if you want to be entered for one of our weekly or final prizes, you need to post a photo showing what you did that week to an Instagram account and use the hashtag Worldwide Adventures. And that's sort of how those entries are made. But there are also people who are just participating because they want the experience of participating. And you can go to worldwideadventures.com and find the weekly prompts there, as well as signing up for, there's a mailing list uh, that you can sign up for there and have them just emailed right to you every week uh, on Friday when they go live. So that's another way also to get them if you're not an Instagrammer, um, yeah. Well, and one thing I'm curious is for those that are, well, whether or not you're on Instagram, can they catch up on the treks if they're just finding out about it now? I mean, are they already behind the eight ball or can they chug along and get to um, the rest of the group, if you will? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it's very doable to get caught up, especially at this point. I think, you know, this is going to come out in the next couple of days. And the, the last day of the event is the 31st of of wait, what are we in? April? April 30th. 30th of April, not the 31st of April. Um, um, and there's still plenty of time. So we do have, we have different types of prizes. So there is a weekly prize and that's awarded to someone who participated during that week. Um, and that is a set of stitch markers that I've made, um, some wool inserts from Morehouse Farms and um, a pattern from Amy from one of her designs and you get to pick which pattern you want. And then there's two final prizes and to qualify for those you need to have, for one of them, you need to have finished all eight of the adventures and that's how you're entered for that one. And so there is still time for sure to go and find those uh, posts that have already happened for the adventures and make and make those posts on Instagram to you know solve or complete those adventures. Um, the other one, the other prize is just for participating. So if you make one post and use the hashtag Worldwide Adventures and you've met the criterion for that trek or adventure, then you are you are signed up for uh, entry into that. So. Oh, goody, because I actually learned a new technique last week and actually managed to take a picture. It's just the getting the pieces together and putting it on my Instagram that hasn't happened yet. So I learned how to do increases and decreases with um, double knitting. I think our final prizes, the, the two final prizes are definitely worth the effort of doing that. So for the final prizes, I'm like scrolling through Instagram to make sure that I hit all of the components of it because they're they're 
big prizes. Um, so we have Brown Sheep uh, Yarn Company donated two hanks of their Synchrony yarn. We have Collage Square who donated um, a set of six sizes of their square DPNs. Um, so a set of stitch markers from me, a Morehouse Farm tote, and one of Amy's classes. So all of that is the prize for participating. For one participant will win that. And then the prize for one of the people who finishes all of the adventures is all the things that I just said, plus a copy of Irene's uh, book, Keepers of the Sheep. So they, they are incredible prize packages that I'm a little sad I can't qualify for as someone who is running the program myself. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a definitely a, um, a temptation to uh, get my button gear and make sure that I'm doing more than just the bare minimum on this. And I also really love that you have a little map that you can print off for it. And it's just, it's so cute. It's a mountain and it's got a little trail and uh, who, who did you go to to have that made up? It's so cute. That was actually done for us by a friend of Irene's who did um, some work for her book. And so we went back and asked if they would do this map with, we, we just loved the idea of having something you could print out and put on your fridge and have a little map that symbolized your learning journey and, you know, check off each of the little pit stops as you got there. So it was just such a, a beautiful map and such a beautiful gift um, that this was done for us. You know, I, it's so, it, it makes my heart so happy to hear that an artist got supported in all of it too. You know, like it's, you don't always see that attention to detail in something and to, to have that other extra piece that makes it that much more special. And I think that um, it also is such a to, to reward ourselves to do things because, you know, I think these tangible ways of kind of showing our progress that are starting to come about in the fiber world, um, you know, like the Shave Them to Save Them program, of course, too, where you have your passport and you put your stickers in it. And you guys are kind of doing a little bit of a version of that without as much, I don't want to say pressure, but, you know, like th there's a little bit less restriction on it and you get to kind of do that, but you're, it still it has that sense of community again of doing that with all these different people. Yeah. And if you're looking for your copy of the map and didn't already get one, that can be downloaded from our website, woolwideadventures.com. Yep. And we are going to put all of the ways that people can find you individually and the Woolwide Adventures, both on Instagram and on the website and all of the pieces, parts that we can get. Because honestly, I'm, I'm super motivated now and feeling a little bit competitive, actually. Um, <laughs> which I blame my sisters for. I have two older sisters. And um, it's just been really, really cool to hear about this, how this whole process came about, how you guys came together and built on, on all of your strengths. And Amy, I met you through Fiber World and teaching. And so it was one facet that I knew you in and then learning all of these different pieces has been so interesting for me. And um, Anne and Erin and Irene, I'm just, just, you know, tip of the iceberg getting to know you because, oh, we met friendly. So it's really neat to hear the background of where you're coming from, the 
in the things that you've been involved in. And I actually totally want to delve into the um, the online international fiber festival recipes real quick because um, because I, I, I really want to make all the food and it's made me hungry reading the entire itinerary. Um, but who who did that part? Where did you get those recipes? So I, I do everything with the festival. This is really my baby. Um, I did actually hire a website guy who is putting together a new website. So it's going to be better formatted coming up uh, on May 1st when it starts. But um, I looked for those recipes. I mean, I should say, just so everybody knows, um, this is this festival can be done for free. The only charge associated with this festival is if you want to do the classes. Those are done through Craftsy and you'll need a Craftsy membership. Everything else is um, free resources that I have cultivated and curated from the web and put together into an itinerary for you to give an idea of what that region is like. So the recipes, um, those are things that I learned about as I was learning about the region and preparing that region for people. So I researched like what are what are you know the home cooking meals that people eat in these areas and and then I have to look at them and say okay now which of these recipes are comprised of things that you can find in any grocery store in any part of the world. And so that actually eliminates a lot of the options because they're specialty regional ingredients that we can't get. You know, I lived overseas. I lived in the Philippines for nearly nine years. I spent time in the UK uh, for quite a while. I've been on both coasts of the United States. And I know that there's a lot of things you just can't get when you're in certain places. And so I have to look at that too, because we have participants from New Zealand. We have you know, people from Canada. We have people from Germany who are all logging in to do this together. Um, yeah, so that's that's how that come that's how that all comes together. And also, I I do put together a marketplace of vendors. Um, I don't charge the vendors to be part of this. This is just a chance for us to see people that we haven't seen before, and and for them to get their products in front of people they wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. And as they're applying, I also ask them, hey, is there a favorite food I should be aware of that I can work into? Uh, the festival and there have been some recommendations that have come to me that way as well. A lot of times they have really complicated. Yeah, this is a favorite one. We only have it at weddings. It takes 12 hours. I'm like, okay, well, I, I can't do that. You know, I can't call on people to do that. But um, what I what I do then is I come up with the menu for the day and I make a shopping list for that day. And once I've done that for all eight days, I take all eight of those shopping lists and compile it into one mega shopping list. So if you are coming at the festivals late um, and you are just doing a day here or there, if you just go to that daily itinerary page, you can get the shopping list just for that day. If you wanna do the all eight and do a big shop and do for all eight of those meals, there is a shopping list for that and it's all done for you. And as a mom who hates having to do shopping lists, this is my gift to those who feel the same way. Well, here, I was gonna say, um, are you hireable for this <laughs> menu to shopping list program? Because, oh my goodness, what a lot of work. I uh, am even more impressed with it and wanting to play with it even more. So I, it's, that is an amazing gift that you have given. That is awesome. 
Well, thank you. And and that is they they all are available still. The first festival came down. It's going to go back up after this festival is is over because it's just going to take work to do that. But the November festival, which was the second festival, is still up and will stay up. And then this festival coming in May will also stay up. So even if you're hearing about this late, you can come back and participate in these festivals and, you know, just do a day a week or however you want to do it. I think so many things that you all are up to um, and the reason that we got so excited to talk to all of you is because there were so many connections to what we wanted to put out in the world with our podcast. You know, we really wanted to draw all these um, not comparisons, but make these connections between things and, and what happens, you know, from the sheep to the finished garment and like how you get from point A to point B, but also how closely related it is to um, local food sheds and things like that. So it, it was really fun doing research for all of you because I saw that, you know, we both noticed those recipes and things you were doing. And then we also noticed that Irene had a separate food blog um, for uh, some of her time somewhere. So, um, you know, I, I almost kind of wish there were more of that with the um, Woolwide Adventures too, <laughs> with, with the food comparisons. Well, stay tuned. Yay. <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. All right. <laughs> There's a very the the, uh, the teaser there. I'm also really curious with the the pivot from in person to online. Amy, were you doing more teaching in person before things and did you pivot? How did that work for you and was that a sudden thing? I'm just super curious. Yeah, absolutely, Kat. Um I've been teaching in person since almost the day I learned to knit, it's literally like a couple days after I learned to knit, I went back to the person that taught me how to knit and I said, hey, thanks for teaching me how to knit. That stitch you taught me is actually the pearl stitch. And also, would you like to learn how to increase and decrease and cast on and bite off? <laughs> because I'm a researcher and a learner. And and after my, my good friend got me started on a garter stitch scarf all in pearl, as it turned out. Um, I went and I got some books and I started reading and I went online and I started learning and um, and so you know instantly I sort of became her teacher again. But then I took that to a lot of places in the community. I took that to the school that my children attended and I did classes for kids and adults through the school and then through other community organizations local to me. Um, we have a senior center here and the high school and the middle school and their knitting clubs and things like that. And, and so I've done that um, and, and also done sort of some local um, knitting shops and local events and things like that. So I've kind of always brought knitting to the party, whatever I was involved in. But I've also been someone who in my work in the marketing that I uh, do in the tech industry, Zoom is a big part of that and putting on webinars and putting on events through Zoom is something that I had already been very used to doing before the pandemic happened. So when the pandemic hit and things started going online, I instantly saw, hey, there's possibility here. Hey, people are teaching knitting over Zoom. I can teach knitting over Zoom. I like being on Zoom. I love teaching knitting. Maybe that's going to work for me. And so, yeah, I started to throw my hat in the ring with some of the festivals and 
Fiber World last summer was actually the first big national festival where I taught. And I've taught at some of the others. I've taught at Rhinebeck and Vogue Knitting Live. And, but also I've expanded my local yarn shop teaching to local yarn shops in places like Maine and Colorado, because now you can, and that's kind of awesome. What a great way to take those pieces that you already had in place and a voracious curiosity to just build on that. And I love that you were able to take that curiosity and really delve in from your beginning teaching days and learning days, because it's not really an end to what you can learn to teach, if you will. Absolutely. And I think this process has made me a better teacher because it's exposed me to different people with really different backgrounds. You know, if I'm teaching at the local high school, I have a really good sense of those students and what they already know and where I need to bring them. And if I'm teaching to someone who's on the other side of the country and this is the first time I've met them and they've met me, I need to meet them where they're at. And it's, I think, remarkable and surprising how much the online teaching in a way is a little easier on the teachers and students because I usually have multiple cameras and I can zoom in on my hands and everyone who's on the Zoom can see what I'm doing really clearly. And that's not really possible in a classroom of, for maybe 30 students. I, I, I shared this on the podcast I did with Anne, but the first time I taught at the school that my kids went to, I had 30 kids that were between about six and eight years old and their mothers and parents. Um, and I had the biggest yarn and needles I could. And I was sort of, you know, a, a mix of holding it over my head and trying to show them and, and going around to show them and everyone crowding in. And, you know, it was wonderful. But it's also wonderful when everybody can see full size on their screen, this close up of my hands, just repeating whatever it is I'm teaching over and over, and they can keep watching while they're doing. So, you know, there are gifts in all of this. Yeah, it's, it's really had me thinking differently about how I've taught too. I have been teaching spinning and some blending classes virtually and um, that's something I found too. Like how, when my, we go back to in person, am I going to have like a camera over my hands with my iPad off to the side or like, how can we make this work so that, you know, everybody can have that experience because some of those things have been so helpful and I've been really pleasantly surprised how much I like it. And the fact that, you know, what you were saying about being able to go to go through different knit shops you know, something that I was almost reluctant to do was to teach through somewhere else because I was doing okay on my own. And then it was like, oh, you idiot, you're going to make connections with people that don't know about you if you go through somewhere else, you know, and so I had to kind of like squash that resistance and start putting myself out there a little bit more. But it's, it's been really incredible, you know, to have somebody that I've met locally here that still wants instruction jumping in but also having somebody in Washington state or Canada, I even, even the fact that we can record some of this stuff, you know, who's recording their live classes at, in person, nobody, but if we're able to record it and give even that piece of it to that student so they can revisit it too, is such, such a gift that we didn't have before. And I don't, I guess I'm curious if there's anything else you are going to, maybe take to into your in-person you know I love the the 
giant knitting needles you were talking about. But, you know, I, I feel like maybe we've figured some new things out, huh? Yeah, absolutely, Emily. I think um, I will probably bring those cameras and some kind of projection equipment in person because it's so useful to be able to make sure everyone is able to see that thing at the same time. And I know that brings, you know, that, that brings its own logistical challenges, but I think the advantage is huge. Um, which is not to say I don't miss being able to walk over and look over someone's shoulder and see exactly what they're doing in the moment. You know, yes, that because there are those logistical challenges on Zoom. Um, I have had people, okay, turn their laptops away from them and hold their knitting up so I can see the perspective, the right point of view, so I can tell. I mean, gosh, when I teach brioche and I teach two-color brioche in the round, you know, it, you know, it gets messed up. And I do usually need them to get that piece in front of the camera so I can say, oh, yeah, I see what you did. Great. Here's how we're going to fix it. Um, if I can't see it, it's really hard for to hear someone describe what looks wrong in, in, in two-color brioche. Oh, man, I can't even imagine trying to describe two-color brioche drop stitch. Well, the one yarn's over the other 15 yarns. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, there's... It's really interesting, Emily, where you said that you were uh, hesitant to work through shops that you had been teaching on your own, because I was totally the opposite. I was teaching through shops and festivals, and I had something that was, there was a festival that got that got canceled, and I was disappointed, and someone else um, in the industry actually said to me, well, could you just teach the class that got canceled on your own? And I thought about it, and this was back in the fall, maybe October. And I thought, well, I mean, yeah, I have, I mean, I have a Zoom account. That's how I'm teaching them anyway. And, um, and so I did, and I, and that was the first one I put on, it was one of my socks classes. And that was the first one that I did myself that I self-hosted and just did signups through my website and my newsletter and, and on my Zoom account. And now that's something I'm doing regularly. Yeah, sometimes we just got to put ourselves out there, <laughs> you know, and it just depends on your comfort level with what what you're doing. And it actually was kind of a festival that got me to, but it was just them saying, do you want to do this in conjunction with us, but you would do everything, you know, just as kind of a cross promotional thing. And it was like, oh, well, yeah, I could do that. And maybe I'll donate a little or something, you know, toward the festival. And so that worked out really well. And it was just another way of working together with somebody and, and having that community. Um, oh, good, Erin is back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was I was thinking, gosh, I don't want to hold you guys too much longer, but I hoped that Erin would be able to pop back in before we had to go. Erin, oh, we're really glad you're back because we wanted to pick your brain about Irene because you are the common thread and yeah. she was able to make it. And we wanted to hear, I don't know, some fun stuff, maybe some antics that you know. Maybe oh, well, Amy mentioned before Irene's passion for learning and teaching. And uh, like I said, I only just met Irene recently because my best friend from college texted me and said, our friend Irene just wrote a book about knitting, thought you might be interested. And without any further ado, I said, yes, please send me one. So if you want to head over to our website, it's 106, 106 meters from the road.com. You guys probably have all your show notes. Um, but this book is amazing because Irene is such a student of history and tradition. And she spent time with the shepherds in the High Atlas Mountains in Morocco to learn their knitting techniques. And 
keep in mind, it's not just running to the local yarn store when you need something. So if you need knitting needles, you get what you get and you say thank you. And that may mean taking a pair of wire cutters to a bicycle tire and using those spokes, which if you're wondering, are size US zero and work really fantastically with her Shabka socks, which she's gonna be teaching a class on. I'm so excited to learn this tradition because the shepherds there taught her how to make a toe cap that goes sideways across your toes rather than just up over the top and the bottom. And it's gorgeous. Check out uh, her Instagram. I've been posting pictures of it as well uh, because this is just one I've never seen before. And in her learning and chronicling, these are knitting traditions that are being preserved that the rest of the world may not have a way to know about, but also it, as Amy said, could get lost to history if someone doesn't take the opportunity to share it. And that's why that's such an important contribution to Woolwide Adventures. So I got to say the two things that I just admire so much about her book beyond that, it could be a coffee table book for the history and the writing that's in it. The two things though, that really stuck in my mind besides the um, bicycle spokes are that the shepherds, right? Take whatever wool the spinners spin for them and they say, thank you, because that's what you're going to get to knit with. So you have to figure out the combination of yarn and needles and gauge right, that work with a pattern we get, no such thing. You are gonna figure out how to make it work. So the, the knitting skills of trying something, then trying it on to see if it fits, adding more stitches if you need, taking out stitches if you don't, that's something that really builds a foundation of good knitting that she is bringing to life in this book. And then, this is near and dear to my heart as a sheep farmer, is if you're gonna be out there tending your flock and it's gonna be cold and windy and snowy, what else would you wear when you are out there tending that flock but a pair of wool pants? Oh, they are and wait, <laughs> and wait till you see these because I've heard that Rhinebeck, um, well, the vendor survey they sent out said, would you come if it was all outside? And I'm thinking, yes, and I'm going to make some wool pants courtesy of Irene's book. And it can be our Morehouse uniform. Oh man. Can I be an honorary Morehouse Erin um, person? Because I totally need wool pants. Now. Absolutely. Come on over. And we'll, we're going to have to sign up for a group photo on the hill one way or the other. And if it doesn't work at the hill, it'll just be at the farm. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Because Ann and I have this idea. <laughs> Ann and I have this idea too. Uh, can we announce it, Ann? I don't know which idea you're talking about, Erin. We have um, so many of them. <laughs> yeah, that is the problem, isn't it? Um, e for enthusiasm. <laughs> I resemble that comment. <laughs> Challenging the world record, wink, wink. Oh yeah, nom. go for it. Tell people. Ooh. So the other reason you want to come to Morehouse Farm Open Farm Day on October 15th is that we're going to challenge the world record for the most people knitting in the company of sheep. Oh. <laughs> so Ann and Bobby at Clatter Butter Ridge Farm in Farmington, Connecticut started this and then they said, hmm, some a little friendly competition. And I said, game on. So I was at their initial inaugural, whatever you call it, record setting event. So we are going to challenge them and uh, yeah, come on by and be part of the fun. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So I feel like that I'm going to have to show up in wool pants and um, <laughs> some kind of like, you know, tweed wool jacket with with um elbow patches <laughs> and probably my grandpa's cap um because i have some old anyway 
but that sounds like so much fun. And I love hearing about the, not only the traditions, but the, um, the using the tools and the resources that you have, not necessarily saying, oh, I want X, Y, Z, so I'm going to go get it. It's, well, what do I have? So how can I transform that into the thing that I need? Like wool pants. <laughs> Absolutely. And let me leave you with this story. There is some amazing color work in here. And Irene tells about shepherds knitting and walking at the same time while they're knitting. So if you're thinking of uh, for perhaps doing some intarsia and uh, doing that while you're walking, as she, I could just picture her walking around her apartment trying to figure out how a shepherd would have done this while tending a flock and getting a result that looks like the ones that she found in the textile museum. She's pretty hardcore on this and uh, I just can't recommend it highly enough. So check it out if you get a chance. It's called Keepers of the Sheep That's by awesome. Irene Wagoner. It's beautiful. Um, so uh, I think, you know, you guys have all been so amazing with your time this afternoon and especially being a Friday afternoon. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure if there was anything else any of you wanted to promote that maybe we missed um, or even just plugging your own uh, individual businesses and ventures that you're on. I just wanted to give you guys that opportunity. We're going to have all of these in our show notes as well, though, too. So, um, Anne, did you have anything? I'll start with you. Um, sure. So I don't know if I ever said the name of my podcast. It's called I Thought I Knew How. Um, and you can find information about it at I thought I knew how.com. The Fiber Festival is the online international fiber festival. It's coming May 1st through 8th. And that's at oifiberfestival.com. Um, I actually am going to be doing my first presentation at Fiber World in May. So I'm very excited about that. That's going to be about why you should travel if you're a knitter and how to make it easier to find knitting resources while you are knitting and work that into your itinerary. So those are my my things that are coming up and I hope that, you know, come find me. <laughs> I was so excited to see that come through Fiber World because I work with them. And uh, then when this all came about, it was like, oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've got a ton of stuff going on actually. Um, I'm it, a lot of it's pretty much all of it's listed on my website, deviousknitter.com. I've got tons of classes coming up over the past next couple of months, um, that you can register for through my website. And I also tend to list if I'm teaching at festivals and things, I tend to list that also there in my upcoming appearances. So I'll be at Vogue in April. I'm also going to be at WAFA, the Wool and Fiber Arts Festival in April, and the Fiber Love Affair uh, the first weekend of May. And I'm going to be on Anne's podcast uh, in the beginning of May. Very ex No, that's the wrong. Sorry, reverse that. Anne's going to be on my podcast the doing. first week that's of May. Um, May 7th. You were already on my podcast. That's right. I was already <laughs> on your podcast. Now you're going to return the favor and get to be on mine the first Friday of May. And my podcast, again, is called Wouldn't It Be, Wouldn't it Be Fun? And um, I'm also going to be at Fiber World, which is going to be awesome. Super excited. I'm teaching a couple of classes there and doing a couple lectures. And I'm going to host a pajama party um on saturday night i think and that's always a super good time and i know aaron's gonna be a co-conspirator there so i'm looking forward to that 
and I have some new designs coming out over the next couple of months, some fun collaborations with some different indie dyers, and another pattern coming out with a collaboration in collaboration with Morehouse soon. And um, follow my blog. I have all kinds of tips and tricks up there and some things on my YouTube channel as well. So um, yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> That's great, though. <laughs> All right, Erin, did you have anything you wanted to plug? Yeah, well, come visit morehousefarm.com. Make sure you're on our email list for your invitation to Open Farm Day, either virtual or in person, either which way. And uh, have a squish of our 118 different colorways in five plus bases. Uh, you can see the rainbow. We're working on some new photography of the yarn. So uh, pardon us while we remodel, but I'm really excited about the way it's coming out because we're real, as in real life, real outdoors in a barn. So we don't have a light, you know, a light box to be photographing yarn. I've got them outside on rocks around the pasture and uh, loving the way it's coming out. So check that out. And then uh, our Morehouse Merino flock, which is our learning community. Amy has already taught a class in there and we're uh, whispering about uh, some brioche because we have a brioche hat design coming out uh, this summer. So I'm pretty excited about that. And what I love about it is if you just take a class, you take a class and you're done with it but we're giving you 30 days of support for that project. So you have chat help whenever you need it, studio hours to come with questions. And that's fantastic. So like Amy was giving some amazing tips about how you, if you have a really high instep, how do you adjust that sock to make it fit you perfectly? Because a lot of us are unusual, right? My feet are two different sizes, which turns out isn't all that unusual, but how do I adjust for that to make it fit me perfectly? And that's something that I so cherish about the expertise that a teacher like Amy brings to help us get through these projects successfully and want to knit them again and find all the tricks of what if the foot isn't here that I'm knitting for, right? That's all the beauty of what Amy brings to the classes. And then we can work with that for the rest of the month so that you find success in every project build your knitting toolbox and they can knit anything that you have on your wish list. And I mean, anything. That's, that's a tall order, <laughs> but that's pretty and awesome. We can do well, it. <laughs> once I have stopped misplacing my foot and um, I have already signed up for your newsletter. So I'm excited to see that and to hopefully, you know, make it out to the farm this fall. So thank you so, so much for joining us for Fiber Variety Hour. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for joining us for this very special bonus episode of Fiber Variety Hour. We could not have enjoyed ourselves more speaking with the women from Worldwide Adventures this past Friday afternoon, learning about all the connections they've made with each other and throughout the world, and the just all of the knowledge and education that they're bringing to our fiber community. You can check out Worldwide Adventures at worldwideadventures.com or on Instagram at Woolwide Adventures. And you can even catch up on previous treks or just join in where you're at and start participating and maybe get entered for some prizes. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Fiber Variety Hour. You can find more episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and our Patreon page. Don't forget to check out our presenting sponsor, YarnCon, at yarncon.com.